Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are excelling at hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? Delicious. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with Alan Alder, Sue Bailey and me, Matt Bentman. It's a terrifically exciting time for food and drink in Cambridge, so let's start with a quick run through some of today's features. Exciting indeed. The Finboys Fish Butchery opened yesterday at number 2 Mill Road and I spoke with them moments before the doors opened for the first time. Brewboard is planning a new taproom in Cambridge and an upgrade to their current taproom in Holston. We find out all about it. And we also visit Calverley's Tap Room in Hooper Street to see what they've been up to during lockdown. Rather a lot, I'd say. It's a new month, so we've got some new foraging ideas, like cherry blossom butter from the foraging chef Steve Thompson, and a word from him about wild food barbecues too. With all this going on, maybe you're inspired to set up a food or drink business of your own. Well, we have some good advice on that too. And with lots of food news and 25 jobs too. Finally, months of excited anticipation came to an end yesterday when the fish butchery opened at number 2 Mill Road. I popped along to see the final preparations to marvel at the enormous transformation that Jay Scrimshaw and Richard Stokes have brought about to the previously rather dilapidated premises and to ask Jay what they were selling this weekend. Well, we've got an extensive range of fish. Um, the scallops are banging, they're really good. They came in to us this morning from uh, Scotland. That's going to be nice. I mean, I like things like skate and lemon sole and, you know, hake. Because they're just sort of simple, you know, nice textured um, fish. This is swordfish, but looks like rasher of bacon. And it's got a bacon cure on it. And what we're going to do, we leave it on the cure for a week and then we smoke it. And then we hang it again for three weeks to dry out. And then that will then Potentially, it's not going to be a bacon, but it's going to have bacon tones with that sort of fishy, but more like, um, say, like um, a parma ham. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've got a lot of stuff you've made yourself, have you? Uh, we have. We're a bit behind because obviously builders didn't leave till last night, and so we're about three days behind. We have. We are currently waiting, good old COVID and Brexit and stuff, for our glasses to turn up, our jars, which are turning up today. So we'll be filling them with kipper pate, taramasalata, potted shrimps, uh, sorry, potted crayfish. And they'll be, by lunchtime, hopefully, they'll be in the grab and go. We've made a soup de poisson, but we're waiting for our bottles to turn up, and then that'll be in there. Um, yeah, we've got different dressings, our, like our house dressing, which we're sort of, it's called Fin Vin. Uh, it's uh, just a vinegar, an Asian-inspired vinegar type thing. Again, that will be in bottles when we have our bottles, which are coming today. Um, so yeah, and then you know, I mean, all these as well. I mean, you know, we love, I love all these tins, and sardines, and 
You know, I mean, they just make great. You're know, waiting for our bread delivery. It's coming, but. You know. I'm going to get new bread from. Uh, Grain culture. Yeah. The place. The place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, good sourdough. I think we've got rye bread and some baguettes. He's doing for us. So we'll have a selection of little bit. Again, it's not. You know, we're not trying to be a bakery or anything like that. It's just. You know, a nice bit of bread with some sardines. That's a lovely lunch to take home. Or a bit of kippa pate, you know, so it's a one-stop shop for a meal. That's what we're trying to be, want to be, really. Nice. And you're opening for indoor eating, what, indoor, from the 17th? Um, whether it'll be the 17th or, you know, but it'll be at that, some point that, time. that time. Yeah. We'll be open for lunch and lunch only. Yeah, and then we're going to be trying out little events during the night time. And then um, halfway through May, so the 17th, we'll probably start putting bookings online for the dinner to kick off in June. Great. Well, good luck to you. Thank it's you very it's much. fantastic. Good. Next week, you're going to be open? Uh, Wednesday through to Saturday. Right. And then uh, the following week, it will be from Tuesday to Saturday. And what hours? Uh, sort of 10 o'clock, year and a half, nine, ten until six, about six, because we've got these kits that you're gonna be able to take away, basically, bags. Um, so from sort of six o'clock, and then obviously when the restaurant opens, it will be uh, till 9.30. Great, okay, thank you, Jay, right. and good luck to you. Okay, thank you. What a wonderful, inspiring addition to Cambridge's food life. The Fish Butchery is open today, Saturday, and again from Wednesday next week, and then it'll be from Tuesdays to Saturdays. On to our first news items now, beginning with food vans and pop-ups. Most food vans only sell food you've ordered in advance, so check their social media for details. At the Ploughing Great Shelford on Tuesday from 5 till 8, pull me sherry, and on Wednesday at the same time, steak and honour. At the Queen's Head in Newton on Wednesday, it's Gorilla Kitchen from 5 until 8-ish. At Thirsty on Chesterton Road, also on Wednesday the 12th, it's Buffalo Joe's. On Thursday, Pizza Mondo. Friday, Vonnie's Balkan Express. And Saturday, Gorilla Kitchen. Also, you can book a table for the 17th of May and beyond at Thirsty with a direct Instagram message, or you can email them, ben at wearethirsty.co.uk. The Oyster Lab is popping up at Café Foy in Cambridge's Quayside every Friday, Saturday and occasional Sundays depending on the weather. If it's sunny, they'll be there. So today, Saturday, they won't be, but they will be there tomorrow. And the Oyster Lab has a tasting menu at the Senate in St Mary's Passage on the 15th and the 29th of June and there are still some places left. Send a direct message via Instagram or email henry at theoysterlab.com .co.uk. The good people at La Latina Bustorante have meal kits for two. The food takes 10 to 12 minutes to heat up and the courses are two empanadas with a choice of filling, two mains, arepa or tostones, two desserts, dolce de leche cheesecake or arequipe. You can order from Food Stuff, click it local or go and collect it yourself. The three course meal for two is £28. Brewboard's Tap Room reopens on Friday the 21st of May from 5 till 11 with 11 taps, music and food from Nana Mexico. On Saturday the 22nd they're open from 2 till 8pm with food from El Cafecito who have a coffee shop and roastery in Falmere and a coffee shop in London's Olympic Park. That's all for now. We'll have more news later in the programme. 
After the 17th of May, pubs are expected to be able to open indoors, and in and around Cambridge there's even more to be cheerful about with Brewboard and Calvillies both upgrading their premises. We'll hear from Calvillies later, but before then I spoke with Ollie Pugh from Harson's Brewboard about the crowdfunding they're doing to raise money for the very exciting prospect of a taproom in Cambridge. They've identified the premises, but the precise location can't yet be revealed. Ollie, there seem to be big plans, ambitious plans for, for Brewboard. Uh, what are they? Well, yeah, we do have some pretty ambitious plans, Alan. The plan is as we emerge from what will hopefully be the final lockdown to sort of kick on and not only improve our taproom at the brewery out in Harston significantly, but also open a bar in um, Stroke Taproom in central Cambridge as well. And in order to sort of kickstart those two projects, we decided to crowdfund, basically, as a way, as a quick injection of cash, to, yeah, to get these two projects um, underway. Right. I mean, crowdfunding can be really successful. But tell me, I mean, there aren't many places in Cambridge, I wouldn't have thought, where a tap room could go. You know, in a lot of places, it's places like, you know, it's railway arches or industrial sites. Have you, have you found somewhere? Well, well, we have. Well, it's not massive. Um, about sort of 60 covers, nice cosy feel a good enough number to be able to get in there and um, have a run all time with, with quite a few taps of our various sort of seasons and specials and accompanying our core beers and all taps. So, no, it should be good. So there'll be food as well? Yes, there will be food, but that won't be something that we'll be handling. We'll be doing that um, with someone else. And, again, I can't really give that away either. Yeah, no, that's all right. That's OK. <laughs> So the target, how much, how much money do you need and how's it going so far? Our target is 30,000 and we are at, uh, let me just have a look, uh, we're just over 19,000. Um, so far we've taken in, in the first sort of 10 days, couple of weeks basically. So we're, we're kind of halfway through it and we're yeah, just shy of 20 grand. So yeah, very much on target. And um, you know, we're totally delighted with the support we've had from people. The way we've done it is, is we've we've offered up um, a list of rewards that people can buy into all manner of stuff. You know, whether it be a year of beer or whether it be you know brew board T-shirts, hoodies, signed prints of our beer artwork, um, all those sort of things. And I know that some of some of the big ones, like for example, we do one which is like a. Um, a full-on sort of design your own beer and sort of artwork package of which we've, we've, we've put a limit of three on those. Two of those are, have already gone and I know that um, several parties are already circling around, around the final slot on that. So, you know, things are looking good. Looking like a load more rewards will be hoovered up by our very lovely and loyal, um, you know, fan base, I guess. So how can people contribute then? If you go to our, our website, which is brewboard.co.uk, there's a banner at the top of that on the homepage that will just take you straight into the crowdfunding page. And then, yeah, just sit through the list of rewards on that, see, see which ones grab you, whether it be, you know, having sort of beer delivered to your house once a month uh, for, for a year or all manner of various things, and just see which grab you and, yeah, pledge based on on which of those rewards you'd like, I guess. When would you expect 
to open a tap room in Cambridge? Well, there are a couple of factors at play there, but we're kind of thinking sort of late June for that. Quite soon. Yeah, yeah, pretty soon, pretty soon. So, so once once sort of things are signed, sealed, and delivered, we're going to sort of crack on hard and fast with that. And similarly, with the with the plans we've got over at Harston for our um, uh, our tap from there, we're building like a roof, a raised roof terrace thing there, which will be um, have like a sort of a triple canvas um, roof at the top of it, and it'll be raised. You'll be up in the trees, and the trees around you will have coloured lights on them. So you'll be sitting, and it's going to be astroturf as well. So you're kind of like up on a garden within the trees uh, with coloured lights. If that makes any sense. And the, 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 the timeline for that as well, we've earmarked in the diary our um, Brewport Summer Party at the brewery in Saturday, July the 3rd, which will be an all-day party that day. And the, and the hope and the aim is to have our roof uh, terrace open in time for that as well. So, yeah, we're kind of gunning on both fronts for late June, um, beginning of July. Yeah. So, yeah, not, not, not to be done in the coming weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, God, you are going to be busy. That's incredible. Well, I wish you luck, Ollie. I mean, it just sounds great, and I can't I can't wait until it's happened. Well, thank you very much for uh, your support, Alan. Uh, uh, you know, it's great. It's great. I mean, I, I love the fact that um, people are getting behind it. That was Ollie Pugh from Brewboard, and Ollie mentioned how pleased they are with the support they've had from people buying their beers from their online shop. You can pick beers up from the brewery between 10 to 3 Mondays to Fridays and 10 till 2 on Saturdays. But they also do deliveries to your door. The brewery is at Unit B3, Button Industrial Estate in Harston. And as Ollie said, if you go to the Brewboard website, you'll find a link to their crowdfunding and rewards page too. And you'll also find their online shop there. Here's where we bring you details of free food available now in and around Cambridge. The information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which is free to download. Yeah, so let's look at a few examples of what's been available recently for pickup locally. Varsha is close to the bridge on Hills Road. She's got some strawberry jam going spare. Dan in Cherry Hinson has plenty of pastries and bread, including a six-pack of Warburton's Rolls, some white batons, and then some croissants, both plain and almond. He's also got custard crowns and cinnamon swirls. And if you like wasabi, then Jan of Victoria Road has seven sachets of the stuff, whilst Nicola, who lives near King's Hedges, had a bundle of apples to give away. Megan Milton has onions of various sizes, and if you need some extra tea or coffee, then Maya in Hawkston has plenty of little sachets and packs, including decaf coffee, plenty of alternative fruit teas, even Japanese and Chinese tea as well. So, all this and plenty more besides, available on the Olio app. That's plenty of good food, it's all local, and all of it free. And another app called Too Good To Go has unsold food from restaurants and shops often at less than half price. Rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of being binned at the end of the day's trading. There's an astonishing number of good, successful, independent food and drink businesses in and around Cambridge, yet as little as 10 years ago, many of them didn't exist. Now, after many people with and without catering experience have been made unemployed because of Covid, there will be new businesses setting up. 
but where can you go to for advice if that's what you'd like to do? Bruce McMichael has written two books that give excellent guidance. I spoke with him at the Food Talk Awards in 2017, where both he and I got silver awards for our food blogs. But this is a good time to hear him again. My food blog and website is called Cambridge Foodies, if you're interested. Bruce has written two books that are very suitable for anyone who's a budding food entrepreneur. Could you just tell me the titles, first of all? Certainly. One's called Cook, Wrap, Sell. That was the first one. And then after that, after you've set up your business, you want to get the next book. It's an e-book. It's called Cook, Wrap, Export. Okay, and you wrote these about four years ago, you said. Yes, exactly, yes, about three or four years ago. Yeah, and why did you write them? Because I was really interested in local food production, local markets, food festivals, and I could see there was a lot of people starting or thinking about setting up a business, but they didn't really know how to approach a local authority to get permission to sell food in the market or festival. And I just thought there was an, uh, an opportunity there to explain and support small businesses to create uh, a food environment in their local community. Because there are no real books that actually help people to do that, not as far as I'm aware, and obviously you found that there was a gap in the market. That's right, there, there are several, there's a couple in America, not several, there's a couple in America. However, I thought in, in the UK there was an opportunity to get people moving away from thinking, I can't do this because it's my kitchen my home kitchen how do I do this I'm I, I can't face it so the idea is to say take it step by step go from your kitchen to the farmers market for example farmers market to small production how small production units and then maybe in the future move into supplying supermarket but I think there's a ways there are other ways of promoting or creating a food company without actually going to the supermarkets uh, supermarkets are great, but they do demand a lot of you. Depends what you want out of a, uh, your food business. There are ways of promoting your food company through farms markets, farm shops, food festivals, smaller independents, maybe booths in north northwest um, England. They're a really nice, supportive company. The co-op are quite supportive. Maybe think about medium, small to medium-sized businesses rather than going for the huge markets like. Tesco's and Sainsbury's, where ultimately you might just be producing a product rather than a... A love, almost. A love, yes. a love exactly, a passion, mm. exactly, mm. yes, yes. And how come you teamed up with Country Living? I mean, that's an unusual bedfellow, or is it? A good question. It's not really an unusual bedfellow. However, superficially it might look like that, but Country Living is all about supporting people who live in the country... You might be living 20, 30 miles from a town, from a railway station, from a distribution depot. So how do you create a small business, a small food business, a bit of a distance from a market? How do you create it on your kitchen table? And Country Living liked the fact that we were promoting local food businesses in rural areas. Mm, that's interesting because, again, Cambridge, East Anglia, it's a not dissimilar area to where you're from, which is the... Guildford area nearest to Guildford or am That's I right. got no, that no. slightly wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. I was brought up in Guildford and now I live in West Kent. However, you mentioned Eastern Counties. Is it Bracknock? The, the, Bracknock, yes, the indeed. Forest. Yes, there's, yes. There's a wonderful company there that produces mm-hmm. soft drinks. That's right, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, they're, they're incredibly successful and they started off as a, a small company now they're really international or very national 
I think the point is you can be quite distant from what people think of as the main food market in London, but still develop and create a uh, food company. And one of the winners uh, was Foraging Fox for the Food Taste Awards, and yes. that's fairly local to the East Anglian area. So, And I've tried one of their ketchups, and they're absolutely amazing, a really nice product. Any last points that you'd like to suggest for someone who is really very much at the kitchen table stage? Carry on, give up, read your book. Read my book and carry on. There's always a, a, a future, there's always a possibility of creating a fabulous product. Tonight at the awards we've seen fudge, chocolate, um, ice cream, and they're all, even though you think everyone's done everything about these products, there's always a different angle that you can, put, you can create. And I think in East Anglia you have some amazing ingredients, whether you're foraging them or whether you're, create, you're getting them from the coast. So I think it's a great opportunity to put East Anglia on the map as a food area. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Great to meet you. Bruce McMichael there. And if you're setting up a food business, be sure to let us know here on Flavour. You can contact us via Instagram or Twitter, where we're at Flavour105, or by email flavour at cambridge105.co.uk. Food-wise. Uh, uh, well, well uh, 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 to err is human. <laughs> so we. Um, oh, sorry again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but good food is divine. Um. Um. Uh, um yeah. <laughs> so listen to Flavor on Cambridge 105 Radio. We'll put the heating one as well. We've got, yes, <laughs> got nice fairy lights. <laughs> Let your work fit you like a comfortable shoe, says Tom Calverley of Calverley's Brewery on Hooper Street. I last saw Tom and his brother Sam over a year ago. It was about two days before lockdown was announced, and now I've caught up with them again to see what's been going on down at the little brewery, some might say the secret brewery, by the train tracks. Are you right there, gentlemen? Well, are you opening today? We're not open until May the 18th. Thank you. The 18th. Nearly there now, and Sam Calverley is raring to go. Hosting people again in our place, getting back to something normal. There's nothing quite like the atmosphere of a pub or tap room. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Calverley's Brewery started in, I think it was late 2014. That sounds right. Around there. And you committed your lives to this initiative, because you, know, you hadn't run a bar before, you hadn't uh, run a tap room before. Nope, hadn't run a brewery. <laughs> so yeah, took the plunge. This year's been, we haven't wasted the time. It's kept us very busy mm. taking the bar out to people. It's much easier when they all come to you. <laughs> During lockdown, we realised it was going to be a bit of a brutal year. One of the opportunities just to help us get back on our feet was to open from Tuesdays onwards. So we've got uh, planning permission to now open five nights a week, mm -hmm. Tuesday to Saturday. Five nights a week. That is a big and important change for Calverley's Brewery. And it's not the only change. Over here, we've got our new Pride and Joy, our new micro canning line. We had been using someone external sending our beer off. The scale of our venue didn't allow us to be um, doing this on site. Which for us is really important. To be able to can as close to the brewery rather than use sort of external companies to pack the beer. Yeah. It's just bringing quality control into the brewery. 
Whereas because of what the past year has thrown up, we're doing so much more packaged beer that it's legitimised us and the change of space to be able to do it all on site. Oh, he's about to switch it on. It had some sound effects that I thought could have been quite useful. It's just like a nice... Something like that. Gas sound. Today we've just been canning an IPA, zesty West Coast, easy drinking but with full hop flavour. Yeah. Got so many beers coming and loads of different artworks. And anyone who drinks on our tap bar knows that we're always changing, experimenting, tweaking. So then for us to split batches and do half cans, half growlers or half kegs and be able to offer like really, really rare beers with artworks that we've designed on, have lots of fun doing it bring it all in-house it's all just pushing it further towards the William Morris vision of craftsmen self-contained in the 21st century but we're making a very small run product which is really exciting the fact that I'm doing a job where I can feel full pride and connection to all the processes you know this is the missing link in what we've been doing here was not being able to package on site more than just doing our growlers which I've literally poured thousands and thousands and thousands of litres in the past year hand poured them with a help from Leo and Sam but mostly myself so I was the one who was really keen on the concept of being able to like 10 times the speed of my packaging by having a canning line rather than doing it all by hand that's a juxtaposition to the idea of the craftsman and really slow and steady but at the same time we've got a semi-automated canning line it still requires like full attention for the whole process yeah oh rumble 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 that's the animating it right left right left Back to Sam. I suppose one of the other things is we've moved over to stainless steel kegs. So rather than one-way plastic ones, a lot of the one-way kegs have clear plastic. So if it gets exposed to the light, you end up with light damage on the beer. And so, yeah, you end up with a better quality product and it's better for the environment. We'll be releasing a huge variety of cans. We've got 12 keg lines on at the tap room and 12 different beers on all the time is, is the goal. It's going to take us, a, it'll probably be a couple of months before we have a full 12 on. Now Sam mentioned the tap room. He's not talking about the old tap room that Calverley's regulars will know. So the new tap room is an old farm building, sort of predates like the railway. Mm. We've created, well, I think it's like a light and kind of airy building, but it still has a lot of industrial hints to it. There's an old system in there with, with old cast iron radiators, an old heating system. We've had all of the radiators sandblasted and sprayed and put back in. So they were in there sort of 70 years ago, but now they actually have a boiler that works. Accessible to all and I suppose little, little features like nappy changes to get the young families in. I've had the experience of being in venues without that sort of facility and it's not been ideal. So yeah, we, we've been able to take a lot of feedback in from running the tap room as it was and shaped it to something people are going to really enjoy. It's got that appearance from the outside of like, a, you know, a bit of a yesteryear time of a garage, but it benefits from having like these beautiful sliding doors which will be wonderful for a tap room. Yeah, I think the, some of the windows that we, we managed to get open yeah. They'd probably been welded shut for about 60 years or something. <laughs> Classic crittle windows. Yeah, you just got to, got to kind of get a feel that I think, I think it's going to be a really nice place to hang out. And it's a big change. When I was last there, it was little more than a hollowed out 
barn, I suppose. But now it is taking shape into a bright, airy, modern drinking establishment. So what have we got? We've got one of my favourite features put in was a log burner. You know, in the winter, a couple of beers by the log fire. That's just ideal. Oh, yeah. We've had the whole building rewired, but as much as possible, we've kind of repurposed a lot of the old galvanised that had been there for however many years, the exposed girders and classic cracked porcelain tiles behind the taps. For one end, we've just left an exposed brick wall. I had the supplier meeting in and, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, it looks, looks nice. You're nearly finished. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. We're going to leave it like that. that. That's the effect that we want. We want the kind of authenticity of it and um, not too polished, I suppose. 12 taps all in a row. Oh, so yeah, the, the back bar. Did you see that? Mm, so yeah. Sure, yeah. We used to have 10, so we, we added just a couple more. So they've got a walk-in cold room behind. That means direct draw taps. Keep the beer four degrees and direct out through the wall. Having a cellar literally behind you when you're serving is, is just is great. You know, you don't have to wander off too far or down an actual basement. No recreations of Den and Ange having a Barney at the old Vic as Lofty brings up another keg. Did Lofty ever work at the Vic? Anyway, most importantly, opening dates. Opening dates and opening times. So we're opening on the 18th of May mm-hmm. on the Tuesday and we're taking bookings online and emails about tables and things. It's, it's filling up. Certainly nice to know you're wanted. Yes, we're going to be adding little tweaks as we go. We need a few more plants in this place. But um, <laughs> What was a small tap room at the end of Hooper Street is now transforming into quite a large venue. Yeah, we're, we're proud of what we've done. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really exciting and it's just like, to be able to do this in the heart of a city that I love and grew up in, to be able to create a small batch beer, you know, cutting out delivery and it's, it's like I was cycling my dray, my dray, my, my cargo bike, and I cycled past a huge truck bringing beer from Europe. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of good European beers, but it just showed you the huge vehicle on a very small little Cambridge back street compared to my Dre vehicle and the difference what potential could be unlocked if we worked out how to have more small batch production. It feels like the right thing to do. In, in that contrast of a Dre vehicle being a bicycle yeah. powered by my breakfast oats you know, to a huge vehicle that doesn't have proper sight, line of sight, driving in Victorian terrace streets that can't fit to deliver beer. It's, you know, it just to me, it just it sh- it showed towards a future that we need to be rushing to. Bikes, beer and books are my key three things for a good life. And if I've got those, then I'm happy. And, I, and if I can have that as part of my lifestyle and work, then I'm like, boom. Boom, Shanker! You know, I feel like the next few times I come back here and visit, you're just going to achieve zen, and I'll find you floating in the air. You know? oh, you should, a couple of hours ago, you heard me swearing at the canning line for... Or the label, actually. It's the label applicator, not the canning line. The label applicator. Uh, so my zenliness... <laughs> that's, that's illusionary. So that's Calverley's Brewery. 100% in-house microbrewery. With a new canning line, new opening days, new taproom. And it all kicks off on the 18th of May close enough to taste. It feels like we've got a comfortable shoe that I'm just really looking forward to just wearing and wearing like further. 
Cavaliers, of course, make all their own beers. And yes, while we're all looking forward to pubs being able to open indoors from the 18th of May, it's important to let you know that Cavaliers are open today, Saturday, from 3 till 5pm, as they will next week from Wednesday to Saturday, as we see out the end of Tier 4 and the current Covid restrictions. In the meantime, you can keep regularly updated with the Calvary's latest beers and events by signing up to their newsletter via calvary's.com. And you can follow them on Twitter as well, at Calvary's Brew. Uh, We're heading for a short two-minute break now. After it, you can hear Steve Thompson, the foraging chef, who'll be talking, amongst other things, about making cherry blossom butter and dandelion marmalade, and also about his forthcoming wild food barbecues at the Plough in Shepreth. Cambridge 105 Radio. Join me, Neil Jones, every Tuesday here on Cambridge 105 Radio for the very best from the world of rock. Every week we'll bring you big name interviews, all the latest from the local scene here in Cambridge and the very best rock songs around. It's two hours of rock every single Tuesday from nine o'clock with me, Neil Jones, right here across the city in South Cambridgeshire on Cambridge 105 Radio. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715 715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Creating and preserving wealth is an aspiration for many of our clients. In our complex world of changing legislation and family circumstances, we listen and provide you and your family with bespoke tax advice tailored to your needs. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk CKLG Accountants your partner in business your partner in life Cambridge 105 Radio Welcome back to Flavour Time now for our monthly visit to Steve Thompson Head Chef at the Plough in Shepreth and very well known to many as the Foraging Chef We recorded this last Tuesday in the middle of cold wet weather doesn't feel like May, does it, Steve? No, not today. Um, we're sitting in the middle of a storm pretty much at the moment, aren't we? It's freezing. So what effect has this had on things to forage, though? I think it's been really dry. I think the dryness has had a lot of an effect. Some of the spring mushrooms you'd expect to see just really haven't shown again. It's pretty much been the third year in a row for that, which is a shame. This week with the wind, we're going to talk about blossoms, but I wouldn't start picking them until they get sunny again. So we spent the last week picking blossoms, but now with the wind, we'll leave it a few days. So um, the first one we're going to talk about is the cherry blossoms. They're everywhere at the moment. They're prized in a lot of cuisines. Uh, We take them, we dry them out to preserve them. We preserve them in pickling liquids. We preserve them in vinegars. Things like that, they're really nice and easy. 
There isn't any cherry blossoms that aren't edible. Even those amazing puffly pink ones, all of them. As far as I'm aware, we're all good to go on all cherry blossoms. We also pick the apple blossoms and the pear blossoms, which are lovely as well. They all have hints of the flavour of the fruit, but they all have like a floral perfuminess that goes with them as well. Does that mean you need to use a lot of them in order to get a decent flavour? No, they infuse really well. And yeah, you'd use them as an infusion. As I say, dry them out, preserve them. We actually, on our next menu coming up with the cherry blossoms, are infusing them into the cream before we ferment it to make butter. So that gets a lovely like cherry blossom butter flavour, which is really nice and fresh. Wow, so you're making your own butter? Yeah, we make our own butter and everything there. It's lovely, it's proper fresh. That way you can control the flavours you want as well and you can use a really good quality cream at the beginning. Do you go for a slightly more, what, fermented tasting butter, basically? Yeah, we do, yeah. We Mm. try and get that acidity into it like that. We don't do it for our cooking butters, obviously, and things like that. Financially, doesn't make sense and the flavours don't come across, but certainly for things that we serve with the breads and stuff, we make the butter. So blossoms are really the thing at the moment blossoms magnolia flowers as well are another great one although a lot of them will be blowing off the trees in this weather at the moment but if you have any left afterwards magnolia flowers great flavor like ginger that's right you said previously how amazing they are and you know they look beautiful but then do you have to wait until they've sort of almost turned brown or should you really try and get them when they're at their peak of perfection, sadly. Yeah, I try and get them when they're at the peak, just before they open. So when they're still a closed bud, and then you get real maximum flavour there. And the flower that, as well that's around at the moment that is much more common is a dandelion. Of course, yes. Lots of them popping up at the moment. Yeah, and we can dispel the common myth about bees need dandelions. It's absolutely fine to pick dandelions. You probably do much more damage mowing your lawn. And also, I can't remember the last time I saw a bee in a dandelion. We've got bees, but... They seem to ignore the dandelion. They completely do. Um, I don't think they provide the right nutrition. I can't remember the exact science behind it. But go out, pick your dandelions, have a look on my page. There's a fantastic dandelion marmalade recipe that's well worth trying out. Very easy to make at home. And it's a great preserve to have on your toast at breakfast for the rest of the year. How many dandelion heads do you need for that? <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm just counting them in my garden at the moment. Lots. <laughs> um, I can't remember what my recipe holds, but you can make it with anything and cut it down. I've, I've got a feeling it's 30 heads for my recipe, which makes a little jar. We pick them in the thousands when we go for it. But Yes, because I've certainly tasted your uh, dandelion marmalade and it is lovely. Yeah, we haven't made our batch yet this year, so we're going to get out as soon as the sun comes back out and get picking and get it made for the restaurant as well. All flowers are best picked early in the morning with a high sun on them. It just better flavour you could go out and pick them now I mean we've got cherry blossom just behind us but it won't taste as much so do wait for the pleasure of picking in the early morning sunshine yeah exactly and I gather you've been doing something a little bit different at the plough now you've opened up tell me more about that yeah so at the moment we are running our lovely restaurant menu we are running our bar menu Sundays we're doing brunch and now on Bank Holiday Mondays we've started doing a uh, foraging chef barbecue. We missed that then, shame. <laughs> it was, yeah, first one was yesterday. We are doing one in two Sundays time actually. We're going to take over brunch for the day and then there will be another one at the end of the month. And they've been great fun. We started off yesterday with a wild spice barbecue pork rib, which was fantastic, using like hogweed seeds, angelica seeds. There was wild carrot seeds in there, Alexander seeds. So a lot from the Apatia family, basically. We have venison kebabs marinated in parasol mushrooms. We had aubergine marinated in miso and Alexander's. And then we just had an array of different salads that we do with it. And it's real quick food. We have nice live music with it. It goes down really well. Do you have to book up for it? I would always recommend booking, because at the moment especially... 
if the weather's not great, we only have a certain amount of tables under cover. Book to avoid disappointment. We fill up well at the weekends at the moment, but come along, have a try. That sounds really adventurous, and obviously people love having a barbecue, but this is a barbecue with a very different twist. Yeah, we just try and put our own personality into it, really, with the same we do with every kind of food. So we have our much more refined kind of restaurant food. We have our burger, our dirty fries, sharing boards, things like that. But we put the same care into it all, into the flavours and the imagination behind it and it's just executed with different levels of refinement as needed and the thing is about foraging you do have to spend time and thought on it don't you so that's where your background knowledge and your creativity is really important i think whenever you write a menu you put quite a lot of thought and care into it whether you're doing like i do wild food cookery or whether you're using native normal plants to the country i mean i think pairing flavors up with wild food cookery if you don't know what you're doing is a lot harder it's like anything you taste 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 you get to know the ingredient and then you put it into a dish and i'm i'm certainly learning from you because as i said i've identified a three-cornered leek at the weekend (laughs) and was very pleased to think oh yeah steve taught me that (laughs) that's exactly the way to go we start off with learning a few plants and then suddenly you just realise you know a lot more. Keep going with it. I mean, that's how I started. And there's still stuff that I find all the time that you go, well, I don't know what that is. You sit and have a learn. It might not be anything that you're going to use ever, but it's just thirst for knowledge. We've talked blossoms. We've talked barbecues. What else would you say is something to look out for in May? So another great thing at the moment is if you look at the pine trees, they're starting to get little buds on the end. They're wonderful. And the spruce trees are getting their tips out as well. So yeah, look at your coniferous trees. Obviously make sure you know what a U is. Taxus is obviously different to Pinus genus. So you need to make sure you know that differentiation because U's got their tips coming out. They are very much avoided. But yeah, the pine and the spruce are starting to get tips and uh, buds on them. And they are well worth harvesting. Again, are they slightly sticky or am I muddling up my trees? The, the buds are, yes, on the pine. What we do with them is we dry them out and powder them. And then I think on my page again, there's a really nice pine bud banana bread recipe. Oh, that Which works different. brilliantly. The pine bud and the banana and all the kind of caramelised flavours in there are absolutely fantastic. This is on your Facebook page? Yes, on my Facebook. It will also be on the Instagram as well. So under Chef Steve Thompson on Instagram or The Foraging Chef on Facebook. Because you have the most beautiful photographs on Instagram and a lot of followers now, I gather. Yeah, we're doing fairly well on both of them. All the food that we picture is on sale at the Plough. So most of it is our 333 evening menu or the odd special we put on as well. So we've had a hair dish that we put on recently this week, which has gone down very well. They're all dishes that we put on at the Plough. So if you like the look of them, come down, have a try, support your local pub. Going back, so the fir tree tip. Yes, so the pine buds are something we're looking for. We dry them out, we powder them, we use them as kind of like a spice. The other thing I mentioned is spruce tips and they're really good infused in things. Simply take your gin or your vodka something like that and just chuck a couple in to infuse you have it in your glass plenty of other ways you can make caramels out of them so infuse them in your caramel infuse them into vinegars to save for later we pickle quite a few so quite often you can find a real small spruce tree that's like hip height almost sometimes when you go into like woods i know i did earlier in the week so i've got a pocket full of them over there and they have really small tight tips on them which are almost caper size so we pick use them as cape do you have to look i mean this is in wild woods or plantation or what wild woods most of the time it depends on the soil and there's not a huge amount of pinus around us but there is still about it can be found and anything else you'd be looking for the last thing that we picked this week which you need to find some chalky soil which i know we're clay mostly around here but there are chalk pits everywhere is um basically wild oregano and that's a very easy one to identify it looks like it's part of the mint family as it is and it smells of oregano. Is it very low creeping? Type yeah, it's, it's yes. low to the ground. You've got the hairy square stems on it. 
the real okay. pungent smell of oregano. But yeah, chalky soil. Anywhere around here it has got chalk. It grows like a weed at the moment. Pretty little blue flowers. Ah, yes, speedwells, yes. Are they edible? Um, yes, I believe all speedwells are. And I see you've got a very interesting fermentation book here, which is about preserving, and you, you've really got into fermentation, haven't you? do a lot of fermentation with our food, because it's a lovely way to preserve, it's a lovely way to get acidity into things. But yeah, this is a book called Wildcrafted Fermentation by Pascal Balder, and he's an American chap, California-based, and it's a really nice little book. The daddy book on uh, fermenting really is the book, The Known Guide to Fermentation, but these are really good as oh, well. Oh, Renny Red Zappi, of course, yes. Yeah. yeah. But any books, Pascal has quite a few books out and they're all really interesting reads. He, mm. he has a really lovely way of interpreting wild flavours and how he uses them. And also, it gives ideas, doesn't it? And those sort of crusted cheeses there look absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, he's got into vegan cheeses at the moment. Okay. And it's really interesting reading about them. I don't ever tend to take, like, I suppose you get ideas and inspiration from books. You never take something from them and directly involve it across. But I think sometimes it just gets the creative juices flowing. Exactly so. Yes, you think, oh, ah, he did that. Oh, I could do this. We've probably come to the end of our foraging chat for the moment <laughs> because I think I think Rome wants to go for his, his little swimming he session. He is desperate to go swimming today, bless him. And so off they went. Thanks very much to Steve Thompson, foraging chef and head chef at the Plough in Shepworth. That barbecue sounds pretty good. More news now. The British Library's food season is in full swing. It's happening online. Several events are free and others cost £5. Flavours resident chef Rosie Sykes features in one of the talks and Rosie will be talking with publisher and food writer Jill Norman who nurtured the careers of people like Elizabeth David and Jane Grigson and she'll be discussing their work and legacies with Rosie. And together they'll cook Provencal pork with prunes and leeks. That's on the 14th of May and you can book now. Other talks involve Mada Jaffrey on her life in food and Elizabeth Luard talking to chef and food writer Ola Hercules. And there are also sessions on restaurant writing, coffee, Caribbean cookery and British cheese. And that one features Ned Palmer who wrote A Cheesemonger's History of the British Isles that was very well received. There are lots of other events too. Full details are on the British Library website. And in other news, the Emerald Food Stool on Cambridge Market is closed for a few days this coming week. They're taking a short break and a general battery recharge. It'll be open again on Friday. Uh, many congratulations to Fiona Macduff of Fiona's Patissière. A couple of weeks ago, Annalisa Barbieri wrote in The Observer about Fiona's chocolate bars. She described them as a gourmet recreation of childhood favourites. All are so delicious and went on to comment, Fiona also makes cakes. Pray for your waistband. Needless to say, Fiona's bars are selling out even more quickly now than they were before. But if you want to get some, follow Fiona Patissier on Instagram and you'll see when they are next going to be available. And there's our familiar music signalling time for the Twitter news. We have to pre-record our programmes now because of limited access to the Cambridge 105 radio studios as a result of the virus. So we can't bring you the latest tweets, but we hope that will soon change. However, we can tell you that you can follow Flavour on Twitter, where we are, at Flavour 105. Don't forget you can find us on Instagram too, also as Flavour 105. <laughs>
that is green onions signalling the start of our jobs section. There's a part-time job at Burwash Larder in Barton. They need a deli supervisor. You must have customer service experience and be able to manage a team of up to five. It's a 25-hour week made up of one or two days a week and a minimum of four weekend shifts. Send your CV to info at burwashlarder.com. Cambridge Sustainable Food is looking for a driver to join the team of volunteers collecting surplus food from supermarkets and delivering it to Bookham Street. Pick-up is from 7am and delivery from 9am and the job normally takes an hour. If you're interested in getting involved as a volunteer doing this sort of work or other types, contact them on email volunteer at cambridgesustainablefood.org. Cam's Cuisine has a lot of jobs on offer at the moment. Millworks in Newnham Road is looking for a commie stroke pizza chef, a part-time kitchen porter and a front-of-house team members. You can email chelsea at camscuisine.com. The Cambridge Chop House in King's Parade is looking for front-of-house people, a chef de partie, a commie chef and a kitchen porter. You can email sophie at camscuisine.com if you're interested in any of those. And the Three Horseshoes in Maddingley is looking for a commie chef, part-time kitchen porter, deputy general manager and an assistant manager, a front of house people and also apprentice commie chef and apprentice hospitality team member. If any of those sound like you, email robt at camscuisine.com. The Tickle Arms in Whittlesford is looking for an assistant manager, front of house staff, kitchen porter, an apprentice hospitality team member and an apprentice commie chef. You can email james at camscuisine.com. And there's also jobs available at The Cock in Hemingford Grey and The Crown in Punchbowl in Horningsea. A yakitori chef is needed at Sticks and Sushi in Wheeler Street. You can apply through the company website. Hot Numbers has a vacancy for a brunch chef. Experience is preferred but not essential. Pay is £9.25 per hour. They're also looking for an artisan baker. Again, you can apply through their website. The Senate in St Mary's Passage is looking for front of house and waiting staff. You can contact them via Instagram. Finally for today, the plough in Shepreth needs front of house staff for a combination of weekend and weekday shifts. Previous experience would be good but not essential. You need to be over 18. Send your CV to hello at theploughshepreth.co.uk. And there's our playout music taking us to the end of our programme for today. And what a lot's gone on. We're here to bring it to you on alternate Saturdays at 12pm, repeated on Mondays at 6, and don't forget we're also available via podcast early in the following week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1pm is the Cambridgeshire Football Show. Uh, an exciting time with the last match of the season, unless the playoffs call of course. But that's all from us. Thanks for listening. And don't forget that you can contact us with any food and drink news via social media or by emailing flavour at cambridge105.co.uk. We'll be back on the 22nd of May with lots more food and drink, jobs and features. But until then, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.